0: Ephesians 5. I know that everybody's waiting with bated breath for this text. We are looking at verses 22 to 24. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as for the church is subject to Christ so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Thank you, Father, for creating marriage. But Father, I thank you for giving your word to strengthen us as we walk, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in work, whether it's dealing with loss, whether it's dealing with saved. Uh, you affect every relationship that we ever have. So, Father, I ask now, remove the barriers of our hearts. And let us hear what you say in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I shared with you the key to this is verse 18 of 5. Be spirit-filled. Don't be drunk with wine, but be spirit-filled. All right? And if you look at being spirit-filled, then every relationship you ever have, will have, or going to have, or whatever, is affected, whether it's dealing with yourself, whether it's dealing with God, whether it's dealing with other saints, or whether it's dealing with unbelievers. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37, it says, Out of us will flow rivers of living water. So when you have water flowing, what doesn't it touch? So each and every one of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ are a fountain of living water, touching everyone that you deal with. And in doing that, we are not to esteem ourselves better than others. So it's in humility that we put ourselves under each other. We are submitted to one another. Me to you, you to me. All right? You know, and people say, well, you're in a place of authority. I... I'm a brother in Christ. The only authority I have is this book. Okay? I don't have any other authority. I've had people ask me some corny things. I don't know. Okay? But if it's in this book, then that is the authority. It isn't me. It isn't any biblical leadership has the authority. The Bible is the authority. That is how the church operates. Remember I shared with you, it was on Sunday school class in John 17, the unity of the church is a thing that attracts lost people. And one of the things that you see happening in our country today, there's not a lot of lost people being reached. Okay? And the reason is there's not a lot of unity in the church. You know, I've traveled in Azerbaijan and Republic of Georgia and Russia and other places, and there is unity in the church. And it attracts the people. And, and, and it's amazing to watch. And, and yet that is missing in our country. But the church operates under the power of the spirit, which produces meekness and humility. If you have meekness and humility, then you have submissiveness. Okay. We submit to one another. But I remember God designed creation with a headship and a following. You have authority and followers. I mean, in anything you see that way. In the animal kingdom, in, in humanity, there's always someone with authority. The Apostle Paul here telling us in verse 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. All right? Then he illustrates it in verse 22 and following, all the way over to chapter 6, verse 9. But he gives us a list of illustrations of what this is. What we're looking at is is what I have entitled The Matter of Submission. Because, you know, it's easy. Today is the anniversary of D-Day. And if you talk to anybody who's ever been in combat, they will tell you they were not fighting for the flag. They were not fighting... For the Constitution, they were not fighting for the freedom of the people they were trying to liberate. They were fighting for the guy on your left, on your right, and the one who's behind you. Okay, now when the fighting stops, you can become very patriotic and hold up the flag and smile real big and say, rah, rah, rah. But he says, when you are in a gun battle, you ain't ain't fighting for a piece of paper. You're fighting for the person next to you. And so to die for someone is no greater way to submit because that is humbling yourself and considering others more important than yourself. The Apostle Paul gives us a list of these illustrations and he starts off with husbands and wives. And I've shared with you the culture that was around there. You have the Jewish influence, which is a woman is a servant. She sends back here don't burn my bagel. Okay? You have the Roman culture, which if you could get a divorce and just go down, and sign a paper, and you were divorced. Then you had the Greek culture that just flat out didn't care what you did. All right, That's the culture that the church in Ephesus is in. Now, I've shared with you, and I'm hoping I'm making it clear, if you have the idea only the wives submit, then you ain't reading the same book I'm reading because I've never found anywhere in the Bible where it says that we are not to submit, period. Husbands submit to the needs of their wives. You protect them, you guard them, you secure them, you care for them, you provide for them, even at the cost of your life. Wives are to think more of their husband than themselves. So it's a matter of submission. Okay? Headship is the man. God designed it that way. Physically, God made men stronger. You don't believe me? Why are all the high schools complaining about transes running in female sports? Because the men are stronger. And I there's people you can sit there's certain places I can go say that right now and get myself in a world of hurt. If you said men are stronger, they are. Well, you just don't eh, never mind. Because of that strength, they work to protect the wife, they work to provide for the wife, and they work to give security to the wife. Okay? <laughs> I'm going where angels fear to tread please turn with me to 1st Peter chapter 3 this is a very popular text <laughs> let me see if I can set the stage a little better you guys know I love history Okay, And and I follow a lot of stuff, and I've been around a few years, but I I love history. And one of the things that I have watched is, as Winston Churchill said, we don't learn from history. And we had uh, some things that happened that I believe that we, every one of us in this room, have had our minds brainwashed. We have generations, decades, and what we have done is a terrible injustice to women, okay? I know that some of this is going to be hard to accept, but I also know that we are all part of a civilization, a society that has victimized us by its teaching We have a philosophy that you and I have been immersed in since our existence, unless you were born before 1789. Nobody? Okay. Good. Good. All right. If you were born before that, you weren't immersed in this. But it is a godless. It is a Christless. It is a non-biblical philosophy of living. Centuries. And it has been pushed on humans in our living and our thinking. All right? And we get to see the result of it. You and I are seeing the result of it. This has been growing and growing and growing, and I believe what I'm seeing now, it has reached full growth. Okay? In 1789, there was an event that happened. All right. That event was called the French Revolution. France was under a monarchy that was linked completely with the church. Okay. It was the Roman Catholic Church, but they were one. The ultimate authority was given to the Pope and the king would give out administration of that authority. All right. In 1789, the people were in poverty, the religious elite, and the nobles lived very, very, very well. All right? They rose up. And they bought into an idea that became a philosophy. Absolute equality. There are no Nobles. There are no holy men, and there are no poor people, and there are no rich people. This uh, philosophy is sexless. It is uh, classless, meaning that uh, noble men, holy men, it's godless in its existence. It is 100% man-centered. Now, there's places I can get away with saying that. And everybody's, amen. That's the way it should be. Let me explain something to you. That is Satan's religion. All right? We call it the philosophy of humanism. If man is given the information, he can correct anything. He can fix anything. He can know anything. And he can guide anything. Period. Period. The problem is is that you and I have been immersed in it for a few decades, depending on how long you are. It is everywhere. It is in churches. It is in our society. It is in our government. It is in every aspect of humanity, this humanism. Remember, you can see a crack at it when Satan says, if you eat of this, you will know as God knows. That's the essence of humanism. Satan himself proclaimed, I am above God. I shall be a God. But well, who's that focused on? What is humanism so focused on? Same thing. Human equality. Have you heard that? And this age that we are in right now has swallowed this hook, line, and sinker. Now, I've seen it coming. I came through the wondrous 70s. I don't remember the 80s, but I guess they were there. But uh, I saw it. I know it. Not only that, I promoted it. I thought it was totally awesome. But yet it gets to the place that it wants to deny any authority, wants to deny any submission, because Socrates says democracy can't work. Okay? Now, he was a Greek. He says it can't work. You know what he said? At some point, everyone's rights will be in conflict with everybody else. That is our society. Where is humility? And when you see it, it's so, so odd. I know n- numerous vets, a lot of veterans, a lot of combat veterans, everything from. Well, I know a couple of guys from Korea and they have all of these things. If you're a vet, you'll get a discount on this car. If you're a vet, you get a discount on this room. If you're a vet, you can get moved to first class on the airplane. You, can get, you know what? None of them ask. Not one of them ask. And it makes me mad. Ask. But they won't ask. Why? Combat has a way of making you humble. Now I'm not saying let's all go out and enlist. I thought we'd just let the Holy Spirit do His thing. We've all been victimized by this godless, atheistic concept and as I said unless you can you were born before 1789 you've been in it and it's been percolating and growing the whole time listen brothers and sisters this approach cannot work this approach has never worked and this approach will never work There must be authority. There must be submission. Must have leadership and we must have following. Just as somebody, see, here's the thing. Leadership. It's funny how many people want to be in leadership. How many want to be responsible? If you're in leadership, you would be responsible. That's gone. Look around. That's a non-existent entity. I'll be in leadership, but they screwed it up. If you have trouble accepting these things that we are going to start looking at, it is because we have been drowning in an ocean of these lies. All right? And tragically, the church played a part in it. Like I said, it was the corruption of the nobles and the holy men that oppressed everybody. And so everybody rose up and cast them out. All right? They brought a harlot, a streetwalker, into Notre Dame, placed her on the altar... And told the priest, we shall no longer worship you, we will worship her. And they threw the priest out of Notre Dame. The true church, tragically, instead of rebuking this, has followed this philosophy in the name of so-called rites. Remember, we're all equal in Christ. How many times have I heard that text butchered? We are all equal spiritually in Christ. I am no more holier than anybody in this room. I am no more spiritual than anybody in this room. My responsibility is different than some of you in this room. Look how it's grown in the church. Why are we ordaining women? Why, why do uh we have a church right over here has a rainbow flag outside because we Jesus loves and we welcome everybody. Why would you advertise that? This church over in the meadows got a award from the gay lesbian g t o or whatever it is because they had a conference down here at the events center. Why is divorce rate in the church higher than the lost? Why is it that our kids walk out of church after graduation, they go to college and become pagans? See what I mean? It is every. Why is it we have contemporary worship and traditional worship? Where did that come from? Why is it, you know, we have Saturday worship and it's casual. What the heck does that mean? Where does that influence come from? Ask yourself these questions. Because what I'm getting ready to deal in is going to go a little deeper and a little more painful. The church wants to remove sexism. So they redefine everything. You know, I've talked to men who are learned; they have been, they've got masters in whatever theology, and they've got all of this. And they said, "Terry, you just need to understand, like chapter three, or what Paul wrote that a woman does not have authority in the church, should not teach over a man." All that that's Paul just added that because it's based on his Jewish bias. I was like, well, wait a minute. Genesis, it says the same thing. Well, no, the rabbis who translated the Old Testament, they just stuck it in there because of their sexist bias. And none of that is God's wills. You know what I call it? Philosophical hermeneutics. Hermene- hermeneutics is a method of study. Okay? And so if I have philosophical Hermeneutics. I have my philosophy and I use it to do my study. That's kind of like pushing a chain. We are in this problem now. Every one of you in this room, whether you want to, to admit it or not. So if you have trouble handling some of this, realize like everybody else, I have existed in a society that has been flooded with humanistic philosophy. All right, that was my warning. Now it is time to deal with the text. In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Guys, that sounds familiar. Hmm. Submissive, hupotasso, you know what it means, right? Get up under, line up under. You know what they call it? It's a function word. You know what a function word is? Well, let me give you an illustration that I know that you can understand. Ever heard the term assault rifle? Okay. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of kinds of rifles that can be used for assault. It's a function word. I can have a frying pan and I whack you in the head, it's now an assault frying pan. It's a function word. So when he says be submissive, he's saying line up under. He says, this is a function. You need to do this. It doesn't have anything to do with your position. Okay. He's talking about the function of leadership. Here he's talking about the function of leadership in the home. And again, he uses the word, the phrase, or this is Peter, and I know it's Jewish bias. You got Paul was a Peter. Da, da, da. No. Own husband means there's possessiveness. Okay. That is, that is part of the submissive role, is that you possess who you're submitting to, and vice versa. Both have possession. He who's in headship and she who is following. You possess each other. Okay, now, this is a text, and I want to be careful with this, because don't do quantum theology. Here's what it says. Same way you wives submit to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. All right? Pastor, you just don't understand. If I submit to him, it will be awful. It'll be terrible. He's not a believer. He doesn't obey God, doesn't obey his word. And I just smile at him and say, He can't. Don't expect him to. I know believers who, for whatever reason, don't want to obey. How can I submit to this man? That's why this verse is written. If any man, okay, any man, you submit to your own husband. I mean, we are warned, don't marry an unbeliever. That's simple enough. But what happens if you're married as unbelievers and then she gets saved? What does it say? Submit well, you don't understand he's vile he's lost he's a pagan heathen. not what this text says. you submit anyway, you know instead of putting repent on the bottom of his beer bottle or putting notes in his coat pocket and thing that you know Jesus loves you and then. And then Try your behavior. Set your life on the glory of the Lord. Period. And maybe, through your behavior, God will save him. It's not a guarantee, but maybe... It's not a guarantee or he wouldn't say, you know, all believing women should go marry an unbeliever. Maybe and get him saved. That's not it. Don't marry an unbeliever. So if I'm going to set my life to the glory of the Lord, what is his pattern for marriage? And I like the way he says this. Maybe one without a word. Ladies, you can't badger him into the kingdom. They ain't gonna happen. They may be won. Did you think about that? They may be won without a word, just by the behavior. Hmm. Win him by the way you act. Verse 2, as they observe, now I'm going to give you what your behavior is. This is where it's going to get sticky. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. The word respect there is reverence. It's the same as you would with the Lord. You know what I fear? Many women are. They are treating their husbands the same way they would treat the Lord. And both of them are ashamed. A life that is chaste, chaste, pure behavior in your conduct. Your behavior and conduct is pure, and you have reverence for the man that God gave you. You respect him. You ever heard some of the things wives say about their husbands? Oh, I wouldn't have married him either. This lacks pride. This is a manifestation of humility. A believing wife looking up to an unbelieving husband with respect. Have you guys ever read the story of Abigail? Okay, and her husband? Her husband's name is the term, or what he died of is what we get the word hardening of arteries from. Okay? And David could have relieved her of her problems. Quickly. Okay? But Abigail went to King David, who was wanting to kill him, because he had just had it up to here. And Abigail said, No, have mercy on him. And he was a he was a jerk. And shortly thereafter God killed him. Okay? It is not only the attitude, but it is how it is seen. You ever punished your children? Go stand in the corner or whatever, and they go, and they go over and... They're obedient to what the punishment was, but they ain't happy about it. You know, I've seen believing wives that act the same way. Verse 3. Okay, it starts off, your actions of chaste and respectful. In verse 3, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding in the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. Don't be obsessed with the outside. The outside. I talk to people when they're getting ready to marry, and I'm getting ready to do their wedding, and uh, they'll ask me questions, and, and I tell them both. Go look at the parents. Because that's what it's going to look like. I mean, you can have this beautiful woman, look at this, look at this. Go look at her mom. Gravity does win every time. Okay? But if there's, and I'll show you this here in a second. We spend far too much time on how we look. How we are seen. Look at our society. We covet clothes. We covet shoes. It is a preoccupation. Remember when they used to make, what do they call them things, catalogs? You know, Christmas Sears catalogs, penny catalog and all the rest of it. Did you ever notice how much of it is focused to women? Wow, but we wear more clothes. That is not really true. But you'd have this Three quarters of the book was women's fashions. Why? It's preoccupation with it. Jewelry with gold, braiding, right? Even men now, I mean, you know, I have a gold chain that was given to me by a very precious person in my life because I was becoming a pastor and it has a gold eagle on it. I was told that I will have wings of eagles. I will run and not grow weary. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Bible actually, men weren't concerned with jewelry. Did you ever notice that? Perhaps not. Women didn't notice it, but I did. But nowadays, it's more and more of a Obsession. We are not to be adorned. Okay, now listen. i got to be careful with this. (laughs) It doesn't mean you walk around in sackcloth. Okay? Or all dirty, muddy, whatever. I mean, that's not what is being said here. I, I, I remember teaching on cosmos. And that's the word we get cosmetic from. And it means to put in order. <laughs> funny, don't you think that's funny? Women don't think that's funny. I think that's funny. <laughs> you know, and you think, boy, some ladies need more order. But you look at some of this stuff and it becomes an obsession. And and I don't understand it. Our commitment, our obsession, and this goes for guys too, should be to the inside. When getting dressed in our society, am I dressed to please my society? Many do. This is the fashion statement. or this Because, you know, I've been told a lot of times, you're not really fashionable. If I don't know how to spell it, I'm not worried about it. If you are preoccupied with the container and you are preoccupied with how it's the hair is done, um, how the clothes are, the jewelry, and all the rest of it, you know you're violating the standard. If you're not submissive, you know what that means? You're calling attention to yourselves. I have seen women in church that when they came in, that's what they were doing. Now, they would never admit to it, but it's funny because everybody was looking at them. Parading of self. Verse 4. But let it be the hidden person of the heart. The secret of the heart. Don't work on the outside. Remember, doesn't He clothe the lilies of the field? Greater than Solomon? Yeah? the birds don't run around building warehouses to keep their food in. Are we not more important? Okay, the hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable quality, of gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Okay, again, I want to reiterate, you don't have to look awful. Okay, but be preoccupied with the inside. You need to put in there what is incorruptible, what is imperishable, what is immortal. The apparel, do you understand the outside is corruptible? Women get their hair done or get it cut or whatever they do now. They used to get it done, but now I think they do something different. Or they call it something different. And then a hairstyle will change, and so they'll go get one of those. And then that hairstyle will change, and they'll go get one of those. They get one of those and get one of those. And that's what they do. Okay? But it's never, it's not gonna last. Apparel is corruptible, unless it's blue jeans. Blue jeans are in forever. I I think maybe in heaven we're cruising in blue jeans. I don't know. (laughs) They'll be white dyed blue jeans, but... But clothes, you know, it's not fashionable anymore. It's not doing this anymore. I'm waiting for elephant bells to come back. So, if you don't know what those are, don't worry about it. Gold is corruptible. Jewelry, why? Because you can get a nice piece of jewelry and... Not long after you'll want another piece or look at that one. Oh, another is really cool. I like that one there. And you just but it won't last. It won't last. He's saying, wives invest in what is uncorruptible, what is unperishable, what is immortal. Decorate yourself with this gentle and quiet. Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but in my daily adventures, that is as foreign as anything in existence. A gentle and quiet spirit. The church is not exempt of it. Men are not exempt of it. Women are not exempt of it. The lost are not exempt of it. Everywhere I look, it's loud. And um sometimes brutal. The word there that you see, gentle, is the word meek. It means to be quiet, be gentle. Okay? The word that you see there, quiet, means to be silent and still. I used to do a uh, challenge course down in Monument. And I was... The instructor and you get all these kids coming in for camps and things like that and you explain to them that you got two ears two eyes one mouth what should you be doing twice as much of it never worked for kids but it doesn't work with very many adults women who are boisterous and loud screaming for their way their rights They dress to perform by proclaiming their plan. The Bible here is giving God's standard. How much is spent on making a show on the outside? How much is spent on the inside? Because if you spend a lot of time with the Lord, you will learn that being quiet and gentle is easy. Because you know who's watching. You know who's guiding. You know who's providing. You know who's doing everything under the sun. And so I should be anxious for what? Nothing. And I can be quiet. And I can be gentle. That drives people nuts when I'm quiet. Why are you so quiet? Got nothing to say. Ask me a stupid question, I can give you a stupid answer. see how our society has force fed us this? Can you see it? We can hardly accept this as a standard. Think about this. Go into a church. Ladies, you need to have a chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment shouldn't be external. Gold jewelry, hair, dresses. But in your hidden heart, you should have Gentleness and quietness of spirit. Then duck. I mean, I'm thankful that I'm sharing this here. A woman in our society today to tell them they need to have a gentle and quiet spirit. Really? Really? In some places, you said that you get arrested. What the Word of God says is that this meek and quiet spirit is the adornment of godliness. You know why I believe that? Verse 5. For this way, in former times, holy women also hoped in God. Used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. I'll deal with Sarah in depth next week. But I want you to think about this, ladies. Your husband comes home from work. Do 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 do. Says, "Pack everything up. We're out of here." Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going. And you think the divorce rate's high now. And yet she did it. The old, the holy women of the old had this meek, quiet spirit. Okay, listen, it doesn't mean you're not involved. And it doesn't mean you don't have understanding. It means that I am following the authority that God has placed in my life. To be humble and still. You know, I've got to go back. Think about us today. I'm going to give you a text. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That was when Samuel was going looking for David. So the woman who has this godly spirit is supportive to her husband even if he's lost because that's her strength is obedience to the Lord exalting him. Because look what it says there back in verse 4. It's an imperishable quality. Incorruptible quality. It's an immortal quality. It's a forever quality. Why? Of a gentle and quiet spirit which is what? Precious in the sight of of God. That phrase right there that you see, precious in the sight of God, means face to face. Face to face, Lord. And this godliness is precious to him, face to face. I guess in my feebleness, that is just credibility with God. Because it's face to face. He don't care what your hair looks like, ladies. He does not care what your newest jewelry is, ladies. And he does not care about your clothing. What is he looking for? A gentle and quiet spirit. Remember the harlot had the alabaster jar? With the perfume in it, she busts it, pours it on Jesus' feet, and washes it with the hair. Everybody's freaking out because it's a bunch of money. Did you see what Jesus said about it? The preciousness was what? Her act. he could have put honey on his feet, it didn't matter. She was worshiping him. That's what was precious to the Lord. So, ladies, you want something that really costs a lot? It's not clothes. It's not gold. Okay? What is costly? What is the most expensive thing that you can possess? See how I just twisted that? What is the most expensive thing that you can possess? It would be that that is precious to God. A gentle and quiet spirit. Holy women used to be that way. They were worried about the inside. inside was the concern. You see the great godly women of the Old Testament... They all have that in common. They all have that in common. Listen, the problem is this needs to be about a four-hour sermon. Okay? Because I don't want you to think if you have nice clothes that somehow you have sinned. I will deal with Proverbs 31 maybe next week. And you'll see that nice clothes, yeah, okay, is an honor. As long as you remember where you got them. Okay. I, I don't want you to get into that, into the wrong, the wrong thing. Okay. It is a preoccupation. Are you preoccupied with nice clothes, nice furniture, nice, I don't know, carpet, nice this, nice that? You know, my car, gee whiz, it don't have that car smell. If I could figure out how to bottle that and spray it, I'd be a rich man. Okay. your preoccupation is evident to everybody they may not call you on it but if you've got something that is temporal that has your preoccupation you know what you're stepping into idolatry and did you know that God really does not like idolatry If the temporal is your preoccupation, you may want to take a step back and be more concerned about a quiet and a meek spirit. Godliness. Godliness. Now, ladies, if you think I stepped on your toes, I appreciate the gesture, but the truth of the matter is, God did. I just give you what it said. Okay? And gentlemen... Do not think you're getting out of this thing unscathed. If we've been immersed in humanism for as long as we have, there is every one of us have been lied to. Okay? And um, ladies, I have already, actually a couple of weeks ago, began praying for each and every one of you by name for your personal godliness. All right? And we'll know it when we see the gentle, quiet spirit that is precious to God in His sight. Let us pursue true wealth. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for uh, the Bride of Christ. Lord, forgive me for being uh, carried along by humanism. I've known of it for so many decades. The Lord, you showed it back to me. I thank you for that. Father, I pray that in you I'll become more than a victor. So Lord, I pray for Castle Rock Baptist Church. Lord, that uh, our desires will be you and you alone. Father, we pursue you and you alone. Father, uh, thank you for your word. And may we with great eagerness, bow our knee to its authority in the power of your spirit to walk worthy of this amazing calling. In Christ's name, amen.